Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I'm sitting in the backstage area of the Biltmore with a band called Whitney. I would love it if I could get each of you to introduce yourselves. Uh, I'm Julian Ehrlich, and I sing and play drums. And I'm Max Kakasik, and I play guitar. Just before I turned on the recorder, Max was talking about a strange handshake that he experienced. So I'd love you to tell me a bit about that. <laughs> um, well, our bassist, Josiah's little brother, is coming to visit us today in Vancouver and he's going to be our merch seller for like the next five days or something like that yeah. and um, I haven't seen him in a really long time and I, I honestly don't know him as well as Julian does but I was holding something and we had like a same hand handshake and he was a really awkward dude about it I mentioned that I thought it was awkward and you know we brought the you know long conversation of how handshakes are awkward and people are weird and that's about all of that and then you met me. I'm kidding. What I found funny about that is that you guys actually did the handshake so that you could properly confer how weird it was. Yeah. I, I think him and I are better friends now. We're, we're closer. <laughs> All right. Well, how about we just play a track? I'm going to play No Woman off your record, Light Upon the Lake. I would love it if one of you guys could describe the song for the audience as if they've never heard of the band Whitney. No Woman. I blocked that. Ugh. Oh, sorry. Um... It's all good. I can edit out spaces. Cool. Um, this is the last song that we wrote for the record. I don't know. It just kind of popped out one morning. Uh, it started with the riff during like a jam session, and then eventually Julie and I sat down and wrote the verse to it on like a weird morning after being hungover. And yeah, it just came out of nowhere, kind of. I left drinking on the city train to spend some time on the road. I'm my name. 
to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track No Woman Off the Record, Light Upon the Lake by a band called Whitney. I have the two. How would you guys describe yourselves? Um, we, are, I guess, are the main songwriters of the band. And then all the other guys kind of, you know, are very important as well. They flesh out, help flesh out the songs and the arrangements. Um, but for interviews and stuff, usually just me and Julian, you know, handle handle them. So we just heard the track No Woman it was Max that described that before we heard it. Now it's Julian's turn to talk a little bit about this track. Man, I don't know. I guess we were in a pretty weird, like, state of mind. Like, the song came about pretty fast, and then I think this was, like, right before, like, Pitchfork Weekend 2015, it must have been. Uh, and we were, like, playing as, like, our buddy Jimmy Whisper's backing band. And the song, you know, was, like, 95% done. I think I just wanted to, like, finalize lyrics or something at that point. But we ended up, like, taking acid, and, like, not all of us, but some of us. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I remember, like, going back to, like, a party, but kind of, like, having to, like, exit the party because, like, no woman was, like, still kind of, like, so heavy on my mind. And, like, I had to, like, sit down and, like, actually finalize the lyrics while I was in, like, that weird state of mind. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, like, the only time that that, that drug ever, like, crept in, crept into the album writing process, though, I think. Which is cool. <laughs> Why is that cool? Um, I don't know. I just never thought that it would. Like, we normally just only really write, like, sober because, you know, we're going to have to, like, live with these songs for the rest of our lives, so we should probably take it pretty seriously. And not saying that, like, like, LSD is, I think, like, a pretty important, you know, chemical to experience sometimes. Uh, But, yeah, I don't know. It was just cool that I guess it did, like, somewhat influence that song a little bit. Whitney started from the ashes of a band called The Smith and Westerns. For a lot of people who don't know, I'd love you to describe that band. I, I'm going to let Max do that. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, Smith Westerns is a band that I'd started with two buddies in high school, and we ended up getting a record deal like right out of high school, like 18 or 19, and made three albums. Um, Julian was a part of the third album. And yeah, it was just like a seven-year thing. At the end, by the end of it, we had been together for seven years, including some years in high school. And but for people who've never heard that music, how would you describe the music? Oh, the actual music. I don't know. I guess it's kind of since we were younger, it was like kind of like punky glam rock stuff. And then by the last album, it was like a little bit more Britpop influenced. I don't want to talk about this band too much, but in the background, why don't I play one of their tracks? Why don't you pick a track for me to play? Um, I'm gonna pick something from the first album. Let's do Glam Goddess. And why did you pick that one? Um, it was like one of the first songs I had ever made with, like, even though it's like a fake cheesy string arrangement, there is one. And I was like 17 or 18. So Julian, how do you feel about the song? Honestly, I don't even know what it, I don't remember what it sounds like. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know if we played it live. But yeah, I wasn't in that band uh, at the time. I was in high, I was in another part of the country. So I think the reason why I bring it up is because I think a lot of people love music and bands but there's a relatable thing. Everybody can identify with a breakup. So I'd love you guys to talk a little bit about what it's like to lose one project and find your way to another. It's a long, pro- <clears throat> it's a long process if you're like truly gonna make like an honest effort, like second effort at it. I think you have to like kind of lose yourself for a while. Like we spent like a whole, <clears throat> sorry, a whole year after Smith Westerns just like doing weird like solo stuff that. At the time, maybe we thought it was good, but, like, you know, we it, it, we were just, like, 
throwing up all the ideas that I guess we had like pent up from Smith Westerns. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's just like you you just kind of have to be patient and wait for like real inspiration to like hit you um, if you want to, like to make a second effort that's like for real. I've read a little bit about this. You've described it as purging. So I wanted to ask, is that kind of the equivalent of when you go through a breakup and you get like a staggeringly different new haircut? Yeah, actually, that's like, it's such a real thing. Every girl, every dude, like either like shaves their head or like dyes their hair, like something. I don't know, it's weird. I guess that was totally the the phase that we were in after like immediately post Smith Westerns. So can you describe some of the music that just had to get out? For Max, it was like super guitar, like kind of like glammy, not, well, it was like LA, like Coke music or something. The stuff that I was making, I was writing with the old keyboardist from Smith Western, Ziad. We were making, it was really just like rhythm driven and like French pop driven, like trying to like kind of push boundaries with like melodies, I guess. So I'm glad that we described that because when you guys started to work together, Whitney happened, and that's radically different music. So I'd love you guys to talk about what it was like when you sort of found your way to what this would be. It kind of happened in the... I don't even... It wasn't a situation where we were working on music that we've now deemed as, like, the purge. And then we're like, man, that purging process is over. Let's make a band. It kind of happened in the middle of it. Like, we were still working on other stuff. And then one morning made a song together, and it was like, this, like, working relationship seems like it'll work out. And then I think we even continued to make other stuff at the same time as we had, like, the first couple Whitney songs until we realized we wrote Golden Days, and that was the third song we wrote. And we were like, this is probably the project that we should really focus on. And that was kind of the turning point. So I've read that Dave's song was the first track you guys wrote together. So how about we play that song now? So how about one of you talk about it before we hear it? Dave's song, it's the first song that we actually wrote together it was about our downstairs neighbor who was into like some really crazy stuff for example like selling drugs (laughs) (laughs) uh but he was like a good dude it was really it was just like a really weird relationship and then we wrote like kind of like an overly dramatic song with him like kind of in the back of our brains like even though we didn't necessarily like feel like so dramatic about the relationship it was kind of like well this is like just funny because this will be like a really good way to remember this dude when we eventually move on and move out and stuff so yeah dave's always in our hearts and i got him tattooed on my arm
are my friends. Welcome back to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track Dave's Song by the band Whitney off their first record. This is the first song that they wrote together. Julian talked about it before we heard it. Now it's your turn, Max. The first demo that we have of this song, I don't think you'd recognize the you were thinking it was a completely different band. Um, Julian's voice was a little bit lower, and he sang in like a little bit different register. The l- recordings were like unbelievably lo-fi, almost to the point of being unlistenable. And the fun part about this song was after we kind of decided to take the project more serious, was um, remaking it into a version that was a little bit more listenable and adding Julian's vocals in like the way that he had discovered them later and as well as like building the arrangement up with like drums and stuff because the first version was just guitar and vocals and really kind of sparse so you wrote a couple of songs and then you decided to work with jonathan ratto for those who don't know who is he um he is in the band foxygen he co-writes everything and does a lot of like the arrangement and production work an amazing keyboardist i would love it if you guys could talk about a song on the record that would be completely different if not for his influence Oh, uh, no matter where we go. That was the one, that was like the only one that I would say that he like completely like facelift, he like gave it like a identity shift or something. The song was normally like kind of based around like distorted, like fake Jimi Hendrix sounding guitar, I guess, in the beginning. And then like one day he just like sat down and started playing the piano that you hear on the track. We were just like, me and Max were just like sitting there like laughing because we were like... That was the first time we'd ever heard him play piano, I think, too. So we were just like, whoa, like he just like has like crazy chops. But then we realized that we could make it like a little bit like cuter of a song, like based around the piano and like kind of more like it just like suited the sentiment of the song a little bit better having the piano. So, yeah. All right. Well, we haven't talked that much, but why don't we play it? Let's hear No Matter Where We Go. Off the record, Light Upon the Lake by Whitney.
the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track, No Matter Where We Go. And guess what, Max? It's your turn to talk about this track. Um, my favorite part about the remaking of this song, because we actually released this. This is the first demo that we ever released. There's a demo of it on YouTube that's really weird sounding. Um, but the studio version that's on the record, my favorite part was um, we really wanted Cowbell to be on the record somewhere. And that's like the only time it made it is in the chorus. It's like kind of buried beneath stuff, but it was a little bit of like an inside joke in between all of us to have it in there. So there's a cowbell in there. I'm going to try to find that YouTube demo and I'm going to play it in the background while we're talking. So how about you say a few words about the demo? I'm trying to think. I think it was like the fourth song that we recorded or something like that right on there. And uh, it's definitely the most distorted distorted sounding song that we ever made um i think in like the demo file it was called rock song or something like that we thought it was like kind of silly But it's kind of like psychedelic and a little bit more like distorted than most of our stuff. And yeah, it was the first song that we ever like put on the internet officially. Nice. Did you want a chance to say something? That is a no. All right. You guys have described your friendship as one that's close because you've been through a lot of weird situations together. So I'd love you to tell me about one weird situation. I mean, we were like homeless together. Uh, we went through the whole Smith Westerns thing, which is like just like high intensity drama for a couple years we've also just like seen each other at like some pretty gnarly like states of like transition and like depression and like yeah we've freaked out together on you know numerous different occasions and substances and yeah i don't know we're just buds um never mind that does that The subway story? The infamous subway story? (laughs) (laughs) Never mind, can't talk about that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's not much more to say than what he said. Um, We've just... There was... I think he came to Chicago to be in Smith Westerns. It's been like four years ago. I think I picked him up in my Jeep, and then since then we've just been hanging out pretty much almost every day since then. Julian said that it's hard to find somebody that you can work with where you can say that you don't like what he or she is doing. So I'd love you guys to talk a bit about that. Yeah, I think that's um, something that I had in previous projects was just um, it's just some more of a sense of like arrogance of how you like approach a collaborative effort, like being able to hear that like what you're doing is isn't as good as you can be, and the other person pushing you to do that. Um, I think that's what that is. So, can you tell me about a song on the record where you have had to have that conversation? And of course, it's better than music. I mean, all of the songs we definitely had that <clears throat> we definitely had that conversation. One that I'll say, I think there's one that we didn't, really, which is probably Polly, because I just, like, found the chord progression that he had, like, tracked, like, a month previously and just, like, wrote the whole beginning, showed it to him, and we are just like, oh, that fits perfectly, and then we just, like, worked on the rest of the song, I think, for one afternoon, and it was, like, done. I don't think there was really any... I think maybe you did the solo, like, the next day or something. The, the bass guitar part I remember we had it one and then literally Josiah we sent it to Josiah who wasn't in the band yet who's now the bass player and he was like I feel like I can hear like a walk down or something we're like tried to re-record it with that in mind and it ended up working 
but that was about it. Um, so yeah. All the other songs, you know, I think, I mean, they just probably didn't come together quite as smoothly. And we're just like, I mean, it's good though when they, it, when it doesn't come together like super fast because you feel like you like earned it or something. If it if it takes like the little arguments and shit. And it does, and bands are such fragile, delicate creatures that it really is a rare thing to find somebody you can talk about that stuff with. So that's why I'm going to ask for a specific example so people can see how guys can negotiate those conversations. So with No Woman, I guess like we came up with the demo, or like the first version of it um, was just an in- the chorus was instrumental, but he was playing drums, and then kind of like a conversation we had ongoing pretty much until the release of the songs, if Full, a full drum set should ever come in um, and that was like one thing where you know we kind of butted heads on and then talked about for a while and then just went with he he thought drums shouldn't come in that's what we did and ended up being the right decision I don't know it, that was just like a weird like ongoing like dude I think it's going to be better if we just like you know and then at that point it was about like building up the auxiliary percussion to a point where you where it didn't feel like it needed drums I guess I don't know we scrapped the whole the whole. We, there was one song that we thought was going to work out, yeah. that we both had to like come to terms with that it didn't, and it still is not a song. <laughs> that I mean, was, wait, which one? Uh, for the next. Oh yeah, yeah. The song is "You and Me." Uh, that yeah. song is yet to be released. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, it was would have been the tenth song, um, on the record, and halfway through recording it, both of us were just like, "This song isn't very good." <laughs> Yeah. Or like doesn't really work with the rest of the stuff we're making. It's a little bit more. It sounded a little more like an LA pop song or something like that. Yeah. We ended up having nine songs, and that's how the instrumental Red Moon came about. Is because we were like we want this album to have ten songs. Let's just improvise with the mics on for a while, and that's what came out of that. Well, I thought that I would play Golden Days now. I would love it if one of you guys could talk about that before we hear it. Who wants to do that? Yeah, Golden Days. It was like the third or fourth song that we did I remember that night like pretty vividly like Max was just like coming up with the chord progression and I, th- I think it was like he came up with like the second chord and he was like oh man like oh shit this chord's like super crazy and then I was like oh that's sick yeah I spent like that whole night trying to figure out a melody <clears throat> and I don't think <clears throat> I think I came up with like the beginning of the melody that night and then had to like splice it together with like a second half of the melody and then once we had the melody and stuff we were just like oh man this like has potential to be like the best song that we've done yet and yeah that one took like a week to write though after that even though like coming up with lyrics and just the whole arrangement basically yeah Can't be real till I'm moving 
to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard the track Golden Days off the record Light Upon the Lake by the band Whitney. Julian from the band talked about it before we heard it. Now it's Max's turn. One of the more special moments on the record um, is at the end of the, the song at the Na Na Na's. Um, we actually had all of our friends come into our apartment and record it. So that's like all the people who were kind of close to us as we were writing. My dad, it was like I just left Father's Day dinner, so my dad was in the room, but he wasn't allowed to sing because he's not very good at singing. And uh, he actually tried singing, we had to stop and start over and tell him not to sing. But, uh, you know, that was like all of our best buddies that were supporting us as we were writing or on that, like in that chorus, um, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that must have been a really, really awesome moment. Yeah, and then afterwards we just had a really fun house party. And it was like kind of the end of the, it was like the last thing we recorded for the album, so it was like a celebration like a a punctuation mark on finishing everything that song's about a breakup and i was reading that you guys actually sent that song to your two ex-girlfriends at the time and they cried that must have been special rewarding and of course sad yeah it was like all three of those things and it's weird like i don't know i think about like that person um and i'm sure max does as well but it's like as the project has kind of grown and like i'm sure you know they live in like hip one of them lives in Austin. One of them lives in like Brooklyn. I'm sure they like go to coffee shops and hear this, hear that song occasionally, and like that must be really weird for them. But it's kind of sick. <laughs> um, yeah. So has anybody ever given you guys a song and you've had the same reaction? I've never dated a musician, but yeah, no, I don't think so. Maybe like if someone sent me like a a breakup song that someone else wrote and was like this is what I'm feeling right now I don't know anytime I listen to Sam Cooke I can pretty much like feel that emotion though which is good yeah I haven't either dated a musician either but um Josiah Marshall our bassist um had like a weekend kind of like a drunken weekend with this girl and she sent him a song about him and I think it just creeped him out a little bit (laughs) (laughs) so I mean there, there are right ways and wrong ways to do it I suppose but so why was it a creepy song? Well, I don't think they knew each other that well. It was like they had known each other for two days, and then he got a song in his inbox, and he's like, I feel really weird about this. Because I think she says his name a couple of times or something. But Well, it's still an interesting compliment. Okay, so, Julian, you were a drummer in your previous bands, and now you've moved to becoming a front man. So what would you say to somebody else who's contemplating that shift in roles? You mean like, yeah, to the future Father John Misty of the world or something? Uh, you guys uh, kind of are in that club. Yeah. Uh, I think learning how to, like, talk to the crowd was, like, the toughest thing. So I guess maybe, like, be prepared to, like... I mean, you really actually have to, like, keep the vibe moving during shows in between songs and everything, which is, like, not the drummer mentality whatsoever really if you've grown up like we did like I don't know basically grew up on stage just like being in the back but yeah I don't know learn how to talk to a crowd um besides that you just gotta be a good singer I don't know (laughs) you got to watch him go through this transition what are you especially proud of (laughs) that's a crazy question I don't know I think we've all kind of I mean the first shows are really funny and awkward and funny awkward shows don't really happen anymore so it's like hard to it's like an intangible it's like a in a sports game or something where like it's not a stat that you measure it's just like thinking back to the first shows and how kind of 
weird they were in in like our infancy and how they're not like that anymore is like a you know something that all of us appreciate you guys recently released two covers i'm gonna play the dolly parton one um how would you guys like to talk about what this song means to you that's a cool one because rado um who helped us produce the record um actually showed it to malcolm our keyboardist while we were recording with him and it kind of like went through all of us and we meant like this is a great song it's also kind of an unknown dolly parton song which we thought was cool um and then we had a couple days off and the opportunity to record it i think we did the whole thing in one day actually um and then mixed the next morning and it's just like i think a cool take on what should have been a way bigger song from the past you show this is scott wood your host you just heard the track gonna hurry as slow as i can that's a dolly parton cover by the band whitney it was max that was talking about it before julian i'd love you to say a couple of words about this cover it just like came together really really fast i think i did the vocal take like twice uh like straight through like i don't know it was just it was like a really fun experience recording it it's still something that since we since we're so busy and we're working on like the new album and stuff like i haven't even really listened to it that many times which is kind of crazy cuz normally when we're making new songs we're like literally like like repeat for like a week or something max julian thank you very much for sitting down and spending some time with me today i do appreciate it the last song of the show is always the band's choice so you may want to pick a song off light upon the lake maybe a song that won't get radio play but you guys still love in a particular and strange way uh, follow and why did you choose that song because um, I think it was, it was actually pretty close to being a single but um, I forgot what went in its place but yeah we love it we love the song I know I'll hear the call
choice that was julian's choice now it's time for max's choice so you may want to pick a song off light upon the lake maybe a song that won't get radio play but you guys still love um i'm gonna choose polly um i think it's one of the more fun songs we get to play in a live setting um it's a lot it's like really fun to play a song that dynamically charged um so i'd like to see it on the radio a little more guys thank you very much for being on my show yeah no problem thank you thanks And I know in the past we wanted separate roles Then I chose you, yeah And I've seen the kind of dirt that took my baby from me Oh, oh, I never told you Anytime I feel my
from Whitney and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. Hey, I'm Julian from Whitney and you're listening to The Interview Show by Scott Wood. <laughs> 